You're listening to Music Tectonics. Hey everybody, this is Tristra Newyear Jaeger, strategist and writer at Rock Paper Scissors, and I am your regular host here at Music Tectonics. Today we're going to be talking all about karaoke, just the whole time, nothing but karaoke. I hope you're ready. Um, Actually, it's going to be a little bit broader than that. Um, Karaoke is, however, one of those first formats that suggested the interactive sea change to come for music. And as well, it sort of uh, gave us a vision of what the world might be with fan and creator um, and how they could blur. So what we're witnessing right now, where fan and creator kind of merge into this interesting spectrum as opposed to these very separate um, entities. Anyway, here to talk about this and other new music tech developments shifting how we interact with music are Ellie McNeil and Corey Sims from Audionamics, the long-standing tech leader when it comes to audio removal and separation. So that sounds pretty simple, like, okay, erase this thing from this track, but it's actually not, and its creative implications are wide-reaching. So the, I want to, um, first of all, welcome so much, Ellie and Corey. Thanks for joining me today, and um, I promise I won't make you sing, um, uh, but I do want to hear your thoughts first about the technology that you know the most about, and then about bigger picture things about how stems, um, you know, acapella vocals and other cool formats can inspire us to uh, become creators as well as to enjoy things as fans. Anyway, um, first, Ellie, do you want to tell me a little bit about the technology and how it got started in TV and film? Um, what's, uh, where did it begin? Why did, why did this, this uh, approach come into being? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having us. Very happy to be here. Give you a little bit of context, at least with Audionamics. Um, We were born out of the idea of how do you separate out a mastered file into its components, essentially unbaking the cake or unmixing, unscrambling the egg back into its original state. Um, As you mentioned, it's really not that simple from a mathematical standpoint. And most recently, we've leaned on AI to help us really advance to the next level. But it was born out of this concept, and it started as a research company and then basically morphed with the needs of the industry. So our very first uh, real in-life use case was actually removing Vuvuzelas from the World Cup broadcast. Uh, And since then, we are now stationed here in Los Angeles, where we interface with record labels, with the music industry, and also with major studios. And we've worked on projects ranging from virtual duets, creating acapellas from master recordings of artists who are no longer with us, which are then recreated, reimagined, remixed, and re-released. We've worked on feature films. We've worked on television shows, um, removing music for uh, new streaming releases or in cases where those licenses have yet to be secured. We can go in there and actually just strip out that music, leaving the dialogue and effects. So there's a broad range of flavors of different projects that we've worked on, but it was all born out of really that idea of how do we, our ears and our brains can tell the difference between vocals and drums and bass and all the remaining instruments of a mix. But when you have that single audio file, how do you actually deconstruct it to get those elements back? 
Cool. And, you know, film and video, the use cases are pretty clear. Uh, music is, is, is a little bit more curious. And while we have things like karaoke to guide us I also, and duets, for instance, if you want to sing with someone who is no longer available due to, uh, you know, mortality issues, let's put it that way. Um, it, it seems like this is a really interesting time for this kind of technology in the music space. Can you tell me a bit more, um, Corey, about why, you know, mu- the music industry is particularly interested in this kind of uh, procedure right now? Yeah, um, absolutely. So it's kind of interesting to me to, you know, I've been following the STEM space and the AI space for, you know, probably uh, two years now um, and really seeing where the technology um, has grown and the quality of the technology uh, and able to identify these independent parts of a song and being able to isolate them. I mean, it's just spectacular when you actually hear what a AI computer can can do in order to isolate these things. And so, you know, I think as as far as like karaoke is concerned, it's a it's a you know, I think you want to start looking at, you know, when did karaoke first come on the uh scene? 1970s, you know, right? When, when it did. <laughs> like 50 years ago. Right? 1970s. <laughs> 50 years ago, it came, it came up. And, um, you know, I think there was a dialogue that the, uh, that the labels were having at that time to say, do we want to support this, um, as an additional revenue stream for our artists and as a way to, uh, you know, really exploit the, the content that they own, right? That's their job. Um, and they took a pass on it, right? They, they said, we don't, you know, we'll give this over to the publishers, uh, for the publishers uh, to be able to license out. And these platforms and these companies in the 70s, uh, they can just create their own master recordings and take out the vocal element to it. Um, and, and, since, and, and since that point, right, it's been really a publisher's game. Um, and I think now that technologies like Audionamics and sound source separation has um, had leaps and bounds in their quality, it's starting to it's it's starting to go back to the labels now and being like how can we how can we get another bite at the apple here we missed out on this back in the 70s now you know the technology is able right for innovation for us to be able to change our our catalogs into karaoke tracks without having to, you know, go back to the studios, get the, uh, get the original stems, get the mixing and the mastering, do all this stuff that costs a lot of money that they kind of were the pain points that said, we didn't want to do this in the seventies. And, you know, technology now, like many other things has, uh, has helped with that sort of pain point. And so there's a there's a larger discussion now at play where I think we are um, we're in the in the era that we'll start seeing some master karaoke tracks um, starting to come in. That's cool, um, especially as people really come to appreciate uh, maybe the craftsmanship of of some of the instrumentalists in there. And you know, there's always been a little bit of aversion to. Uh, forgive me, karaoke musicians, but um, some of the the instrumental beds were 
little cheesy, right? Mm, um, yeah. So it kind of raises, it could raise the aesthetic cachet of some of these formats and maybe make it less of a goofy thing that, and a novelty and more of something that totally. um, people people feel great about singing along with. Um, anyway, I was also, so that, but it seems like karaoke, um, especially as it's sort of an older form that came up, um, you know, many decades ago is just the tip of the iceberg. And it really suggested where we are now, which is in a revolution of, of more interactive um, music, uh, music experiences in that we can be, you know, we can create, we can remix things. Artists are reduce, are you know, releasing their own sound packs um, as marketing tools and as way to talk to fans and get fans excited about uh, a new release or some other project they're working on. I'm wondering if um, you, Ali, and Corey can talk about what exciting things you're starting to see come up. I mean, are people asking about? things for certain purposes or, you know, how are people using stems out there um, in the wild that you find really creative or exciting? Well, out, out in the wild, as you say, there's a lot of murmur about this, um, you know, from, from, uh, from different panel discussions at conferences to just, uh, you know, like clubhouse chats, if you will. I know that's, you know, been something that is really popular recently. And I was just on one yesterday and organically, you know, stims came up as a way for artists uh, that have not been touring uh, to be able to, you know, engage with other creators more, being able to share stims back and forth, and for their fan base to start interacting more. And you've seen you've seen artists like Grimes and Portugal the Man. Um, oh, what are some other ones? Wolfpack local natives Bonavir that have released their official like studio stems along with a song. And, and they do this on their own platform because there is no platform for, for really stems to live right now. And sort of this, you know, uh, uh, music marketplace, but creators are talking about this fans you're starting to see a demand of the fans looking for these sort of things like you could go on reddit and type in music stems and you could see how much chatter there is about you know whether it's fans or um you know sort of startup producers or musicians that want to try to get their hands on these things you know it's all out there um and people and people are buzzing about it yeah it's it's Interesting, interesting time we're living in, in terms of some of these developments. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Ellie and Corey in just a second. Let's meet up next Tuesday. We host Together Tuesdays, a virtual meetup in the Music Tectonics community app, the social network for music tech. Starting at 2 p.m. Eastern, that's 11 a.m. Pacific or 7 p.m. in the UK. Join the Music Tectonics team in the app. Post, comment, share links, and use the tag Together Tuesday to get involved. Ask each other questions, discuss recent podcast episodes, or share the music tech and music biz news of the week. And if you're a member of Clubhouse, I'll be there at the same time for an audio-only music tech chat. In our app, look for the hashtag Together Tuesday and use it in your posts and comments. Every month, we will feature our favorite interactions on the podcast. If you're not on the Music Tectonics community app yet, I'll tell you how to join in at the end of this episode. Okay, we're back. So we talked about where we are now, which is sort of on the bleeding edge of some of these um, interactive possibilities and um, STEM, how should we call it? STEM interchange? If we're talking about between creators and fans, it's not really necessarily a monetized um, relationship, but it could potentially be. And then there's obviously STEM marketplaces. Um, but what 
what are some, uh, I want you to think totally crazy and Ellie, I'd love for you to chime in as well on what, you know, what are, where's the future taking us? Where, what should we look for when it comes to these separate audio bits and pieces? How, how are they going to come back together or be rebundled or reinvented? Or what, what do you guys see? What, what, what's, let's get super sci-fi here for a second. Absolutely. Um, well, I would say, first off, you mentioned at the start of this conversation that the role of the fan is evolving, and technology has much to do with that as well. As much as we have now a totally different situation on the STEM creation side of technology since the 70s, fans are also able to interact with songs and music in a completely different way. The soundtrack to your life is no longer passive. You're not just listening to it. Um, and these stems are another way in which you can play with and interact with with and personalize that listening experience. And that's what I see. I see that demand. Um, there are apps out there that are specifically geared towards it. I mean, even Audible Reality, where they have the vibes where you can customize your listening experience to there's a new Lego and UMG app coming out called Video, um, which is all about augmented reality gamification of music video creation based off licensed songs and it's interactive for kids. Um, and generally speaking, you see in the entertainment space, everybody wants to be involved. That's why you see games becoming so wildly popular. It's no longer the static relationship. And so you can see the need there and you can see the tech there. But I think where there's the gap is that the infrastructure on which the industry may have been based off of on the 70s is, is a little bit a couple steps behind. So how do you bridge that gap? What is the right a platform for this interactivity to exist because it's not just a simple thing. I mean, karaoke is a perfect example. It's not just creating the backing track. It's also wanting to sing to it or share it with people. And to do all of that in a way that maintains the rights of the original artist, of the original record label is a complicated situation. Um, and so that's what I'm really most interested to see is like, what is going to be that platform that addresses that and, and connects those dots between the needs of the, and the desire of the fan and the actual providers of the music, well, you know, the rights holders. To get super, super crazy here for a second, I think you're bringing up a great point. Like, are we going to totally reimagine what it means to be an artist? I mean, is an artist almost like the person that seeds creativity in other people and encourages them to be creative as opposed to someone who creates like a finished complete work, the sort of 19th century vision of the lone genius sort of brooding until they spit out this thing that's complete and that's done and that you can't unbake and can't unmix and can't fiddle with. Um, it, that's an interesting question. I, I feel like we're going to have to reconsider what we consider an artist is what their role is and what uh, a work of art is. Anyway, um, Corey, you were going to say something. Do you want to, do you want to chime in with some of your thoughts about the future? Yeah, totally. And, and that's a really interesting point. And I haven't really got given it much thought about like what that means for artists and, you know, the sort of shift in, in their role um, that this will have, but, you know, from a technology and platform perspective, um, you know, I, I, I see it, I see it, being limited right now with what's available and sort of, you know, to call out, say, Sony Music, who has had the same hundred stems that they have licensed out from, you know, the original rock band video game. And they haven't built out that catalog 
since then, right? It's shocking. That was what over ten years ago um, that they that they you know licensed those stems for that video game. That catalog hasn't grown much, and so when you have technology, new technology platforms, which I guess you know, what's going to be the catalyst of shift here? Is it going to be the fans, the technology, the platform? You know, we know from from uh, the being in the music industry that it's probably not the labels that are going to be pushing like what's next. They're the ones that are you know kind of f- looking at this from a retroactive like, yeah. okay, how do we need to you know catch up or how do we need to shift? How do we keep our how do we keep our assets in the bank and safe and yeah. know, secure and yeah, makes sense. Right, right. So so I think it's like you know for me, I'm looking at it. And like from a platform perspective, I'm asking myself, like, is it going to be a platform that, um, you know, makes something innovative that, you know, the fans are going to, you know, want to grab a hold to and you'll see this seismic shift? Um, or is it just going to be a technology or is there going to be like a whole new platform? Is it not going to be the DSPs, right? Um, is there going to be a new kind of DSP in the next few years that will totally gravitate towards this, you know, uh, customization of, of content and delivering it to the artists and making that connection between fan and artist in a new and different way that the DSPs that we have currently aren't addressing. That's a very exciting thought. Um, well, there's one elephant in the room and we talk about all these really exciting ideas and um, <laughs> that elephant always seems to come up in music tech. Uh, and you know, I really like elephants, so I don't want to diss this elephant, but um, <laughs> it is licensing. Now, everyone, please yeah. stop screaming. Um, if you're silent <laughs> screaming while listening to this podcast, it's always a big bummer to bring up licensing. Um, but it is something that as an industry, we're going to have to tackle. I mean, the tech is there. Um, Ellie, as you mentioned, it's it's not an easy thing to execute, but it's becoming more and more automated um, thanks to things like machine learning. Um, this is going to be something that, it, you know, like, you know, torrents and, and, and stream ripping, et cetera, that's easy to execute. So how do we get ahead of this so that we can actually license things and have everyone benefit who deserves to benefit? Um, anyway, I, I'm throwing you to the, to the wolves or I'm letting you being trampled by the elephant in the room. I don't know. Um, what the, but Corey, um, I know you've put some thought into this and I'm going to, I'm going to force you to answer. What do we do about licensing in this case? Yeah, thanks. I mean, the licensing question is not an easy one. Thanks thanks a lot. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks for that one. I mean, listen, I don't have the answer to it. I'm not qualified to like, you know, I'm not working every single day with major catalog rights holders. So I don't, you know, I'm coming at this from like, I'm a technologist. I work with innovative technology companies. I work with artists. I see, I see kind of like that side of the picture, but from a larger rights management thing, there was a lot of issues at play with licensing. Um, And, you know, I, I think it really comes down to, um, I, I I think a lot of things need to happen. I think a conversation needs to start with both sides of the rights holders, the publishing companies and the uh, and the master rights holders, because what we're talking about here are kind of new types of licenses. Um, you know, and you, you've got platforms, obviously, like TikTok and Triller, that are bringing in 
uh, multiple different kind of, you know, in licensing where you've got a reproduction of a master recording. You've kind of got a sync license. You do have a sync license in there where, you know, it's being uh, it's being timed to a uh, visual, you know, presentation. So you've got a, a sync license in there. Then you've got this karaoke type of thing that has come on that people are starting to look at. And I think it's really going to boil down to like, do do the do the labels, do the rights holders and the publishers need to come up with something new here for this? Is 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 this something new? And I and I know it's a it's like the elephant in the room, but it's it's one of these things. It's uh it's a big question. It's a big ask. Um, I don't know if it's going to happen this year, but I think it probably needs to at some point. Um, so yeah, that's my take on it. Yeah. In some ways we need to start by just figuring out what the questions are to ask <laughs> before we start to jump ahead to the answers. Um, but that was, uh, I thank you. You navigated that little um, minefield really well. Um, well, we're going to take a really quick break here and we'll be right back with Ellie and Corey in just a second. We're giving you, our listeners, the chance to speak up and win a prize. Every week, we pose a big question that you can answer in the Music Tectonics community app. At the end of the month, we'll choose the most awesome answer and send the winner one of my favorite books about business, music, technology, or just life. This month's prize is a copy of The Innovator's DNA by Clayton Christensen. Hearing from Ellie McNeil has me thinking a lot about how interactive music makes listeners into co-creators. So for this week's big question, we want to know, if you could isolate a part of your favorite recording, what would it be? What would you do with it? Look for the post that goes with this episode in the Music Tectonics community app, and we'll tag it hashtag the big question. Then you answer in the comments. If you're not a member yet, I'll tell you how to join the app at the end of this episode. Now back to the show. Ellie, I was really intrigued by something you said. Um, I wanted to go back to this idea of this intersection. We're, you know, we talked about the merger of creator and fan. We're also looking at a merger of various um, entertainment or media that we used to consider really separate streams, whether it's gaming, um, video film, um, music, that kind of stuff. And it's, it's kind of all starting to overlap and blend. I'm wondering what you thought about how um, this kind of technology might play into stitching those different media together. Oh, that's a that's a good one. Yeah, I will say I'm very excited about it. I love the interactive videos out there. I love the interactive storytelling that's happening. the The blurring of those lines, I think it's a beautiful and very natural thing that has come about with the advent of the tech that allows it to happen. Um, but I'm as far as where our technology fits in there. Um, you know, a big thing for us is when you take an original, it goes back to licensing, so oh, sorry no. to bring it back up, but when you take a license that was secured for an original purpose, let's say TV broadcast, and then you want to reimagine it in some other sense, whether it be going to a streaming platform or it's it's getting reimagined or up, up mixed or whatever it may be, uh, you need to go back into that asset. And a lot of times we find that our assets do not stay in their original multi-track form for very long. I mean, I can speak for myself personally, and it probably poses question to both of you. How many sessions do you guys keep from, you know, five, just even five years ago when you have all the assets? And uh, I think the answer would surprise you across the board at the industry. So that's kind of where we come in. We come in when you don't have access to that or when, as Corey mentioned, when the amount of work that it would take um, is so huge just to get those assets together because the coordination across the board, especially when you talk about international, right? This is another thing. Markets maybe originally something was 
envisioned to be for a specific English speaking market. And now you want to make it global and you want to dub it or you want to imagine it in a different language and do a re-release or whatever. All of those things require that you can have some certain access to that original and make some modifications. Um, And that's where I see this tech really coming in and supporting um, that shift in particular. Yeah, the idea of a um, of various language versions of songs is an intriguing one. And I actually know from some other um, folks I've been talking to that some record labels in smaller markets, like say in Eastern Europe, have been taking full advantage of that. So they'll try to get the, the master sort of instrumental bed, and then they will write several versions of the lyrics in different languages. Um, so in some ways, I could see this being really, really helpful in some smaller markets where, you know, like I'm thinking of Finland, for example, where we're, um, uh, over, we're overdubbing um, or subtitles, like over, you know, a full overdub, like you have in Germany with like fancy pants, different voices and stuff, um, was really difficult. You'd have mostly subtitles, so this could really enhance um, the global aspect of a lot of culture and could bring, um, you know, it, it's interesting just to think about all of those applications as well. Yeah, and there's there's another application that's so like obvious to me that um that I I see a little bit of that I've seen um even Netflix get a hold of um uh what what is that? It's uh, like Song Exploder, right? Started with a podcast where exactly. they, you know, di- dissect the song into the stems. Um obviously the it, it got turned into, you know, that great Netflix show where they take deep dives like into the creative process with the artists, uh listening back to those individual parts. Um but you know that's that's just like one uh you know that's just one track so you know where the you know there's this other guy that um that I want to shout out Christian James Hand um and he's uh I mean he's a musician he's an engineer um and he has a radio show uh that just moved to Instagram called the Sessions IG Live and maybe we can put like a link to it uh you know in in the notes of this podcast but sure. you know each each like each week he gets these multi tracks from unknown sources, um, but they're like multi tracks of these amazing songs. And he does a deep dive analysis and takes apart each one of the the songs for a live audience. And it's amazing how many followers he's. Uh, garnered from doing this long form analysis of songs that, you know, we listen to, you know, you turn on the radio and you've heard it a million times, but now that you're actually listening to those individual parts, you know, the fans, you know, have this reaction and being like, Oh my God, I can't believe this baseline. in uh, in this Michael Jackson song that I've heard, you know, a thousand times or that little percussive thing that was, that you were able to isolate. And now I'm hearing it for the first time in like a decade. And I've been listening to it like all the time. So, you know, there's all these new exciting ways that, you know, I think we're just scratching the surface at as far as like, you know, what we can do with this, what we can do with the stems. I mean, unlike any other artwork, like you can't take a Picasso and like, you know, unbake that Picasso painting, you know, you can't, you can't pull it apart, but you can with music. And I think this is the really exciting part, you know, of, of this space is being able to see all these, you know, different individual elements that make up, uh, that make up a, a complete, you know, song. 
Absolutely. I have to pick up off there because uh, coming from an engineering background myself, that's my favorite thing to do, um, to take apart a song and just hear it. You get to hear production aspects that you didn't hear before, effects, all sorts of crazy things that are there the whole time, but you don't really hear it until you can look under the hood and see what's going on. So that's my personal favorite thing to do. And I will also give a shout out on that note to the educational aspect of STEMS, which is huge. Um, you know, Let's say you're a singer and karaoke or not, if you're learning to sing a song, it's very helpful to be able to sing along with it and have, you know, to have that control up and down of that guide vocal. Um, from a drumming perspective, we have a ton of drummers who work with our tech um, just to either to remove the drums and basically see if they're actually playing on point. And also, you know, the implications as far as like automatic transcription, when you can take a vocal part and then all of a sudden you have the melody line from it. Same thing with drums. There's a lot of possibilities here coming under the educational umbrella for the technology. That's super exciting. Um, I can imagine it, it, this, you know, in some ways the, the audio, uh, are the emphasis, emphasis now on audio and the interest in um, audio entertainment and education um, is really expanding our uh, listening as well as, and you know, if, if anyone's listening closely, they might hear my children in the background. Actually, <laughs> um, speaking of listening, but um, the the listening aspect of it is really is really interesting. And in some ways, I could see how um, this technology might lead to um, all sorts of other applications as well um, in terms of guiding people to listen more deeply. Um, I'm thinking maybe like in the, maybe not completely in the old school format of like, you know, Pauline, uh, Pauline Oliveros or somebody, but, but really bringing people deeper into audio experiences um, in a way that could be really uh, interesting or restorative even for folks. I mean, I'm thinking Ellie as an engineer listening to some of those tracks and I've heard some of the tracks that you guys have isolated. You hear the room noise mm -hmm. when some, in a vocal performance. Yeah. And that's something that gets kind of, um, you know, just blends into the mix. But understanding like what room someone was in or, or I don't know, this fascinating details of production that are really um, can potentially very engrossing, even if they may not have like an obvious business side to them, uh, are fascinating. Yeah, the restoration aspect of audio, I think is an interesting one too. And we've seen, we've seen some engineers and, uh, you know, uh, people at major labels that have uh, contacted us about, you know, their archive catalog. And, you know, of course they were recorded, um, at a time where, you know, once, once, once the session was done, they, you know, they would throw out all everything except like the master recording. So, you know, there we go. You don't have stims anymore. No one needs it. No one's going to want it. Um, and, and, and so, you know, there's, there's that element. And then there's also like, you know, the live music element where it's typically, you know, recorded, um, you know, with, with two microphones, there might be some isolation, but you know, typically not. Um, and being able to, you know, offer technology to, uh, to catalogs, like older catalogs, there was this one project, um, that we worked on with, um, with Aerosmith and it was one of their like original recordings before they were signed in the seventies, you know, to Clive Davis. And, uh, it was a garage recording and, you know, being able to separate out some of those, you know, tracks for the engineer to, you know, try to work, with and, and manipulate into sounding even better so they could re-release it to the fans is uh is is pretty cool like it's a fun part of the job 
for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the live recording aspect of that, obviously, whether it's in a garage or in a state in a stadium or at a at a show, whatever it may be, whatever size, you tend to walk away with those. You're lucky if you walk away with multi tracks. More often than not, you're going to have a two track recording, um, just a left and right mix of that performance. And so to be able to go back in there and edit improve, release. I mean, even from a voice memo standpoint, I'm a singer-songwriter and I have a lot of songs that I've written over the years. Um, I've used this separation tech in order to kind of revamp them, strip some things out, use it as a baseline in order to build something on top of. It feels like uh, nothing is final anymore. You know, you, you have now this key where you can unlock it and 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 the creative process is kind of an ongoing thing to to bring it back to something that we were talking about earlier. It's it's a uh, it's not the end of the story, but rather where we're at right now. That's really excellent. Um, thanks both of you for exploring this cool developing world of stems and how they can inspire um, our creativity as fans, as musicians, as rights holders, you know, they get, rights holders get creative too. Um, and as people who are now starting to operate in multiple media at once. So um, thanks so much, Ellie and Corey, for joining us today. And this has been Tristra New Year Jaeger with Music Tectonics. And uh, hang around for one more little message from Dimitri. Dimitri here with one last announcement. Join me for a Music Tech Mixer Wednesday, February 24th at 1 p.m. Eastern. At this online event, you'll meet Stacy Bedford, Banzoogle CEO, Jaquel Amancona Horton, founder of Fave, and Florian Richling and Christoph Muck, founders of Fortunes. Learn about the latest in direct-to-fan engagement from these experts. Then we'll invite you to come on camera so you can introduce yourself and build your music tech network. Break up the Zoom gloom and connect with your music tech fam. Find the link to RSVP at musictectonics.com, the Music Tectonics community app, or any of our social channels. Hey, thank you for listening to Music Tectonics. If you like what you hear, please hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Become a part of the Music Tectonics community, a social network just for music tech aficionados like you. It's free to join. Use it on the web at app.musictectonics.com or find the mobile app for Apple and Android devices in the relevant app stores. Connect with people from all corners of music and tech, answer the big question, and meet me there on Together Tuesdays. There's more about the community app, this podcast episode, our annual conference, and our newsletter at musictectonics.com. Peace! You're listening to Music Tectonics.